Welcome to the Mark Driscoll Ministries podcast. To find more Bible teaching from Pastor Mark, visit markdriscoll.org. Thank you for listening and being a part of Mark Driscoll Ministries. And remember, it's all about Jesus. All right, what book of the Bible are we in? John's Gospel. We just figured out who all the new people were because we've been in it for 44 weeks. Amen. I don't know what you've been doing for 44 weeks. We've been going through the Gospel of John. Today we have the grand finale. Today we hit the final verses. Today we get to put the book to bed. But before we do, let's just revisit a little bit. We've looked at the entire life of Jesus, the greatest life lived in the history of the world. No one's in the same category as Jesus. We've looked at his miracles, his teaching, his life, his death. We slowed down. We looked at the crucifixion, the execution, the death of Jesus in our place for our sins. Last week, we looked at the resurrection. He conquered Satan's sin, death, hell, the wrath of God. He forgives sins. He unleashes the Holy Spirit. He is transforming the planet. And this week, we're going to look at the few final appointments that he had before he ascended back to heaven. I just would tell you this. What would you do if you had just atoned for the sin of the world? I would find a hammock. I would get a drink with an umbrella in it. And I would feel like I had earned a day off. Amen? Not Jesus. He goes to work. He loves people. He serves people. He meets people where they're at. That's what you're going to see this week. That Jesus, following his resurrection, he pursues people. He meets them where they're at. He ministers to them at their point of need because Jesus is all about relationships with people. He's still doing the same thing and he is going to meet with you here today. So we're going to look at Jesus healing hurts, Um, Jesus fixing fears and Jesus defeating doubts in these ministerial opportunities that he has with various people. So John chapter 20, let's just jump right in. First, you're gonna see him meeting with a woman named Mary. She knows that her Lord Jesus is dead. She doesn't know that he's alive. So she's got half of the story, but not the good news part of the story. John 20, 11 through 18, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And so the the story of Mary is that uh, Jesus died. She went to visit the tomb. Uh, The tomb was empty. So she went and got Peter and John, two of Jesus' leaders and disciples, brings them. The tomb is empty. The body is gone. Um, They leave and she stays and she's grieving and mourning and something significant happened. As she wept, right, she, she thinks Jesus is dead. She doesn't know he's alive. She stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels clothed in white, right? Clothed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain and he's not there. He's alive, he's he's doing better. It's a good day for him. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She's having a conversation with angels. We'll unpack this all in a moment. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. They've they've murdered Jesus and, and now they've taken the body and I wanna go there and grieve, but I can't even go to the graveside to grieve because the body's not there. I'm very confused, very perplexed. She's very upset. She's emotional, rightly so. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. This is, right? Why is she sad? Because Jesus is gone. Jesus is right there. But she did not know it was Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Um, Jesus' resurrection body will bear the marks of crucifixion. You'll see that in a moment. But here she is with Jesus and she doesn't recognize him. It's, it's a bit of a mystery. There are some questions here. You need to know, if you're gonna study the Bible, you need to get a bucket, you need to write the word mystery on it. 
And occasionally you're gonna put something in there. And the more you read the Bible, you may need a bigger bucket, right? There, there's a lot of things you're like, I don't get it. I went to public school. I have a three pound fallen brain, right? You know, I, there's some stuff I don't know, amen? Or I don't, I don't understand. So I trust that the Lord knows and I put it in the bucket of mystery. And then when I see Jesus, he'll empty out the bucket and he'll straighten everything out. Here, Jesus is risen from death. He's in his physical body. It bears the marks of crucifixion. And there is Mary, a friend of his, who doesn't recognize him. Why? Well, it's a bit of a mystery. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, and they said to her, why are you weeping? They've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they've laid him. Uh, she turned around, saw Jesus, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Next one. Supposing him to be the gardener, because we all mistake the landscaper for the Lord. We all do that. We understand. No judgment on Mary. Who hasn't looked at the landscaper and thought, that might be the guy right there. That might be the guy. A lot of you landscapers are like, hey, that's it. There's our life verse. We're like Jesus. We're indistinguishable. There's the landscaper's life verse. Amen? She thinks it's the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, if you've taken the body, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. How many of you, when somebody says your name and you have a relationship with them, you know their voice? And you're, ah, right? Some, you're like, who's calling? It's your dad, it's your mom, you know their voice. She recognizes Jesus' voice. Jesus' voice is absolutely clear to her. I, I wonder if Jesus didn't have one of those unique voices, amen? I've got one of those, amen? My voice is different, right? It's, you're welcome. Okay, so we were in Australia and uh, we were literally in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. I think we went into like a little coffee shop and there was like four people, Grace and I were in there and like two Japanese tourists. And I said, I'll take an Americano. And they both turned around. They're like, Pastor Mark, they didn't even speak English, but they recognize my voice because it sounds like I smoke. I don't, I don't. It just sounds like I smoke. It just sounds like I smoke. But if I said something, you would go, that's Mark's voice, amen? So Jesus, here's the point. Me and Jesus, we're similar. That's my point. That's not my point. My point is it is an advantage to have a distinct voice if you talk for a living. Jesus had one of those. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned around and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Lord. Ah, it's Jesus. That was a big moment for her. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Uh, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, what is she doing? She grabs him. There's a little debate here. Here's what I think. She's not gonna let go, right? Because she already lost him once. She's like, I'm not gonna lose you again. He's like, but I gotta go preach and then I gotta go home. And it's gonna be weird if you're hanging on, you know? Can you imagine that? You're like, hey, there goes, gee, what's Mary doing? That's weird. That's weird. She wouldn't let go, right? You get before the Father. Hey, Father, I've completed the work. Great. What's Mary doing here? How did she, she got on the elevator. I don't know, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Right, she doesn't wanna let go. I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So let's unpack this. She, she's there and the angels show up. Let's talk a little bit about angels. The Bible talks about angels a lot. About 300 times the Bible mentions angels. In 58 of 66 books of the Bible, it mentions angels. And uh, Grace and I just finished a book, went into a publisher, we'll do a series in the fall. It's on spiritual warfare, but it, the first part of it's about angels. What are angels? What do they do? How does it work? I'll tell you a little bit about angels. God 
God has two realms and one reality. Ours is the physical, visible world. God also has the spiritual, immaterial world. Ours is the seen realm, that is the unseen realm. God has both as one reality, both realms. And in the world that we live, the seen physical realm are human beings, you and me. We have a body and we have a relationship with the Lord. And then in the unseen realm, God has beings as well. They have personality and will and communicate. They just don't have a physical body. The Bible calls them angels. And, and God works through angels and people. Some people say, well, God doesn't have to work through angels. He doesn't have to work through people. But God's highly relational. So he works through us and he works through them. And all together, collaboratively, collectively, we are God's family. Uh, we were dwelling together and doing things together until sin came and we joined Satan and the rebellious angels in war against God. When Jesus is done with everything and God's people have risen from dead and, and we're in God's presence and the kingdom of God comes to earth, you need to know that these two realms, they will come together into one reality. They just will. That, that the kingdom will come to the earth and the angels and the people will be together in the presence of God forever. And so what happens is God sends angels as ministers and messengers. They're his staff. So he deploys them at certain points to either serve and or to speak. And here are the cases. He sends the angels so that when Mary arrives, the angels can tell her what has happened. They're serving as, as messengers. There, are, there is a category of angels in the Bible, uh, cherubim and seraphim, and they're they're sung about every Christmas and they appear more like, almost like animals. They're, they've got wings and they fly and they're majestic and amazing. Um, most angels just show up and they look like people. They're very normal. They look like a man or a woman. Uh, they're sort of incognito, they're undercover. And the point is that the Bible says in Hebrews that you have entertained angels, you have, and you didn't even know it. You just thought they were people. Because an angel doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself. The whole ministry and message of an angel is to focus all the attention on Jesus. And so it, it would make sense that they don't, you know, draw a lot of attention to themselves, but here they show up and they have a conversation with, with Mary and she's not afraid or alarmed. This is, this is normal and typical and these supernatural and spiritual things do happen. And then she gets to see Jesus and Jesus is resurrected from death. Now, this is a different thing than being revived. Revived is when, let's say somebody's dead and then, you know, let's say we perform CPR and they come back and then they die again. That's being revived. Resurrected is you come back from death and you never die again. You're, 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 you're conquering of death. Jesus here is fully resurrected. He is never to die again. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death. He is conquered. He is victorious. He is triumphant. He is alive. It's something called a glorified, perfected body. Never to suffer again, never to struggle again, never to die again. And this is the promise. This is the awesome promise for all of God's people that if you belong to Jesus, that you will get a resurrection body like his. It'll be perfected. It'll be glorified. It'll be healthy. You'll be in the presence of God forever. You'll be like the Lord Jesus forever. And he appears over the course of 40 days. This is the beginning of his appearing. 1 Corinthians 15 says that he then appeared to crowds over the course of 40 days. 
groups large and small, upwards of 500 people at one time, and he is showing his crucifixion scars. He is proving his victory over death. He's proving his forgiveness of sin. And all of this is before he ascends into heaven and he goes back up. And today I have good news. Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. Jesus has returned to his throne. Jesus is overseeing nations. Jesus is still deploying angels. Jesus is setting and scheduling meetings with people today, just like he did in that day. And all of the promises are going to come true when Jesus comes again and sickness is no more and death is no more and sin is no more and God's people are happy in God's presence together forever, okay? So this is awesome. This is the best and this is the beginning of all eternity. And there he is meeting with Mary Magdalene. This is amazing. Jesus loves her so much that he actually shows up to meet with her. You need to know that Jesus loves you and he's still scheduling appointments and meetings and he's showing up in people's lives and and he cares about you. I mean, we know that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and also he shows up to love people one at a time. I, I, I think that's amazing. What do we know about this woman, Mary Magdalene? She's, she's honored here. She's the first to see the risen Jesus. Uh, this was a high honor. Right? This is one of the reasons we know that the Bible is historical and not manufactured because in that day, a woman's testimony didn't necessarily qualify in court. So if this wasn't truly how it happened, it wouldn't be written this way because this is not the most compelling line of reasoning, but it's the way that it happened because Jesus honored women and he started by honoring this woman. Her story is one that her life was destroyed. It was devastated. It was difficult. Uh, We read of her, I'll just read of her from Luke chapter eight. Jesus went through cities and villages proclaiming the kingdom of God. And that is over the culture and over the nations is God's kingdom. And there are times that the kingdom shows up in the cultures and supernatural things happen. People are healed and lives are changed and, and God is revealed in significant and supernatural ways. Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, so the disciples. Also, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. There were some women that had sickness. They had injury. They had ailment. They had chronic problems. And the root of it was not physical. It was spiritual. Therefore, just getting a doctor or a diagnosis or a prescription would not alleviate the problem. You're one person, two parts. You've got a physical body and a spiritual soul. And sometimes things are happening spiritually that are affecting you physically. Luke who writes this is a medical doctor. And he says that they had sickness and infirmity and it was demonic in its origination. I have seen people healed because their sickness and suffering was not physical. Sometimes it is physical and you gotta go to the doctor, but sometimes it is spiritual and you need God to be your great physician and to deliver you from physical oppression. I've seen people healed. Jesus here cast demons, unclean, unholy spirits out of these women and they are healed. It says this, um, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's a lot, right? 
Like one demon is a lot, just so you know. Seven, that's, that's a lot. That means this woman is tormented. She is oppressed. She is psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like a prisoner of war taken captive by an enemy and tortured and tormented constantly. That's her life. And then Jesus delivers her. Jesus frees her. Jesus heals her. Jesus loves her. Jesus changes her, amen? We believe that Jesus still does this. And what it says is for her, uh, they provided for him out of their means. What it's saying is once she met Jesus, she was all in, right? Some of you, your, your, your life doesn't have a dimmer switch. You're on or off. She was darkness, light. She met Jesus, she was in. From that point forward, she's following Jesus. Where Jesus is going, she's going. What Jesus is saying, she's believing. What Jesus is doing, she's funding. It tells us here that these women who got delivered, they were funding Jesus' ministry. Now, Judas was stealing, hear me in this, Judas was stealing money from women who had demons cast out of them and were trying to help other people meet Jesus. Just shows you how great these women are and how awful Judas was. And so they're funding Jesus' ministry and they're following Jesus' ministry. And, and she is there. She is so devoted and so generous that she is there. We looked in John 19 at the cross of Jesus. Jesus is dying. Mary Magdalene is right there. At that point, some of the disciples had fled. They're like, man, look at what they do to Jesus. We don't want any of that. Mary's like, well, if Jesus is here, I'm here. And if he's gonna suffer, I'm willing to suffer. What he did to change my life means that my life is now devoted to him. Some of you are like that. You are faithful, devoted, generous. She's so devoted to Jesus that even when he's dead, she's still there. She goes to the tomb. She goes to the tomb. Everybody was taking from Jesus. She was giving to Jesus. Jesus was serving others. She was going to serve Jesus. Even if Jesus is dead, she's still devoted. That's, that's an amazing woman, amen? That, that's unbelievable. I married a girl like that. How do I know? She's still with me. I, I mean, I, mean I, I come with baggage, carry-ons, you know? I mean, we've been through a lot of turbulence, you know, the, the, the oxygen mask is deployed and there she is, right? It's, it, it, there are some people, they're just devoted. That's Mary. And she's had a long day. Jesus died. She watched him die, right? She goes home. She gets up early in the morning. She goes there. The tomb is empty. Did they steal the body? What happened? She's totally distraught. She's hurting. She's grieving. She's mourning. She goes back and gets the disciples. And then, and then, and then, then they come back and Jesus is gone. She's thinking, did they bury him right? Is he okay? Are they doing something to the body that would make it unclean? Or she's worried about Jesus. She's hurting. She's grieving. She's mourning. The disciples leave. And what does she do? She stays there. Till Jesus shows up. Sometimes you just got to stay there till Jesus shows up. She just stays there. You know what? I'm hurting. I'm grieving. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where they put the Lord. I don't know what's happening. 
And, and this woman, she's devoted and she's just willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, what she says is, well, she thinks it's the gardener, which is awesome. That's how we know nobody made this up. It wasn't like a committee was around like, we need a gardener. It's been a while since we had a gardener in the book. How about we pretend a gardener was Jesus? You know, nobody makes this stuff up. This is just the way it played itself out. And what she says is, if you've taken the body, tell me where it is and I'll take the body. I was thinking about it. What's she gonna do with it and how's she gonna transport it, amen? I mean, here's a gal who gets up. She's like, I'm going to the tomb. Why? Because I wanna anoint the body of Jesus. Well, there's a big stone with a Roman seal and a soldier. She's like, details. This is a very, this is a pretty bold gal. She gets there, the body's gone. She's like, give it to me. Well, it's wrapped in 75 pounds of spices we learned last week and it had maybe a hundred pounds total with the burial linens and it's a dead guy and she's gonna carry him wherever she thinks he should be. Right? This is a gal who's committed, amen? She is really devoted to Jesus and Jesus shows up to me with her. So I wanna honor her, I wanna respect her, I wanna acknowledge her. She's given the message, go tell everybody I'm alive. So she's given the first communication of the good news of the resurrection. But here's the deal. She's hurting, she's grieving, she's struggling, she's emotional. She misses the Lord. He's literally there, she misses him. Let me just say that Mary's not alone, right? When you're grieving, when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're frustrated, when you're disoriented, one of two things can happen, and Mary seems to fall into both. You become so consumed by your hurt, your loss, your pain, your burden, your grief, that the Lord is right there and you miss him. And or you're so devoted to your tasks and your responsibilities and your duties that you don't acknowledge that the Lord is present with you. How many of you, this is us. You're like, I am so sad or so busy that I assumed that the Lord was not there and the Lord is right there. Some of you'd say, but I don't sense the Lord's presence. I don't, I don't, I don't see the Lord show up in my life. I'm like, well, she didn't either. Did she know the Lord? Yes. Did she love the Lord? Yes. Did she miss the Lord? Yes. You can know and love the Lord and miss the Lord. Let me tell you, he's in your life. He does show up. And sometimes you just don't acknowledge it. You're not aware of it because you're consumed by your grief or overwhelmed with your tasks and responsibilities. And what Jesus does, he stops her. And he says, no, 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 no. Hey, 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 I'm here to help. I appreciate you serving me. Let me serve you. I appreciate you being concerned about me. I'm concerned about you. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for the grief that you're in, but I've come here to, to heal that, to fix that to take that burden and to lift it. Some of you today, you need to know that if you're hurting, you're grieved, you're burdened, you're frustrated, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed, you need to meet with Jesus, okay? It's okay to grieve and it's good to be responsible, but don't overlook that Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to help you heal that hurt, okay? And he's still scheduling meetings, right? This is a meeting for you today, just as it was a meeting for her on that day. In addition, Jesus can fix your fears. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that's a Sunday, 
Jewish people had always worshiped on Saturday. Once Jesus rises from death, these devout Jewish people, those were the first Christians, they start worshiping on Sunday, which is their Monday. It's the first day of the week. It's a work day. You know what it would take for someone to change the calendar and change their day of worship and make all these major adjustments? Something as significant as the resurrection, which meant for them to have church, they had to be really devoted because they had to go to church before work or after work. How many of you wouldn't be here? If it was 6 a.m. or 7 p.m., right? That's, that's what they did. They pivoted immediately. This wasn't over length of time. This wasn't months or years. This was from one week to the next. Hey, we worship on Saturday. Nope, we change our whole calendar and start worshiping on Sunday because that's the day of Jesus' resurrection. So the traditional Jewish Sabbath day is Saturday. Christians, it's Sunday in America. We couldn't figure out which one, so we made it a group on. We took both. That's how we got a two-day weekend. Just telling you how we got here. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They're having church, but the doors to the church are locked. There's still some churches got the doors locked. People aren't welcome there, right? Doors are not open. This is for us and our people and you're not welcome. They're having church, but they're scared. Why are they scared? Because the rumor went out that they had stolen the body, which was a federal offense. So the Roman government executed Jesus. The body was the possession of the Roman government. They gave it permission to be buried. They covered that burial chamber with a stone. They put the insignia or seal of the Roman government over it. They positioned a soldier on guard in front of it. What that means is, this dead body belongs to the state. And if you show up and steal it, you've committed a federal crime. So the rumor went out, they stole the body. So now they're scared because they go, you know, to the post office and there's a picture of them. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Wanted, thieves of the body. How many of you, or don't raise your hand, but you've committed a crime and right now you're, you're hoping that police don't attend this church. You're, just, you're feeling it, right? You're feeling it. We love you. We have prayer afterward. Uh, but if you, if you feel like, man, the cops are looking for me. How many, how many of you have been there? I could tell. I could tell. You've got shifty eyes. You're sitting on the edge. You're over in the corner. And you're like, hey, it's not. If you won't make eye contact with me, I know it's you. Okay, welcome. We're glad to have you. So they're, they're worried they're going to get arrested because there's a bounty out on them. Jesus came where? Jesus show, here's the good news. Good news, good news, good news, good news. Jesus shows up at church. Jesus loves to show up in church. This is, this is a scared church with the locked door and he still shows up. You know what? I love being with my family. If my kids are at the dining room table, guess where I'm at? Dining room table. If my kids are sitting in the living room, guess where I'm at? Living room, because I love to be with my kids. When the family of God gathers, God likes to show up because God likes to be with his kids. You hold church, Jesus shows up. That's how this works. They're holding church, Jesus shows up, stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. That had to be awkward. They all think he's dead, right? They're, all, they're like, what are we gonna do? Jesus is dead, he's gone. They wanna kill us. There's uh, be, Hi. Hi, Jesus. <laughs> this is a variable that we need to now factor into our future, amen? You're alive. You've defeated death. And then the question is, how'd you get in here? This is one of the big debates because the door was locked and they're upstairs, right? These, these are scared people. 
Can't even peer in the window. This is like the persecuted church around the world today. They're meeting underground, fear of government arrest. Doors locked, Jesus shows up. How did he get in? Mystery, there you go. People be like, he walked through the door, the wall. His body is, you know, I can't demonstrate because I'm not there. But they're, they're saying, you know, he just walked through the, we don't know. Is he a locksmith? I don't know. Did he pick the lock? If he did pick the lock, would that have been a sin? Uh, you know, uh, did he climb in through the window? You know, I, I don't know. Was he already there hanging out? I don't know. Here's what I know. Jesus finds a way to show up for church. Okay, he just finds a way. Put it in the bucket of mystery. When you see Jesus, you're like, how'd you get in there? He'll tell you, it'll be awesome. And then you tell me, because I don't know. Okay, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. This is for sure Jesus, amen? You got crucified. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They're like, yay, awesome, so much better. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even though I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. This is awesome. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus shows up in church. Let me just encourage you. Jesus still shows up in church and he shows up to do extraordinary, unexplainable, supernatural things. I'll give you one example. Um, it occurs to me, it was right here last week after I think it was the first service, this really adorable young couple comes up and um, she's got this you know, blanket, seems like she's got a baby under there and they're very emotional, they're crying, but they're smiling. You know, sometimes people cry and I do that and I have to apologize because I yell for a living, but they were smiling. So I thought that maybe, you know, this was something awesome they wanted to tell me. And so they come forward and they're trying to tell me the story and they're very emotional. They say, uh, we're in town one week a year. That's it. We live out of state, far away. We come one week a year. Last year, on this week, this Sunday, it was a year ago, we were in church. You were going through the Bible and talking about healing. And we've been infertile with a medical condition. I think it was for six years. No treatment, no solution. And as a result, we couldn't have any children. And the woman said, God spoke to me as I was sitting in church here. It said, I'm gonna heal you and give you a baby. They said, so we're here a year later. We want you to meet our little girl. This little girl popped her head out. It was perfect timing. She smiled at me because she has the gift of discernment. She was beautiful. She was beautiful. Cute little girl. And they're like, God showed up. And I said, has he ever done that? She said, God has never spoken to me like that. But she said, in that moment, I knew that God was gonna heal me and give us a baby. And they're both crying. They're like, could you pray for us? No. Yeah, no, I did pray for them. I did pray for them. <laughs> and they said, you know, we come back to town one week a year. So see you next year. I was like, see the next kid. Keep bringing them, man. They're, they're adorable. See, Jesus still shows up for church and still does things that fit in the bucket of mystery. Look at that. That's, that's, that's God's doing. So when Jesus shows up, he does um, three things. He gives peace, purpose, presence. He shows up and he tells them repeatedly, peace. Uh, the word here is shalom. Some of your Jewish friends will still use it as a greeting. 
And what it means is everything's the way that God intended. Things are okay. God's made it all better. The kingdom of God has shown up. Here's what you need to know. There is no peace with God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes and he alone proclaims peace. And we live in a world where people have strife, they have anxiety, they have stress, they have all kinds of psychological and emotional problems. And it's because oftentimes they don't have any peace and they just want peace. Let me tell you this, there is no peace until you have peace with God. So peace starts with God. Jesus comes, he forgives sin. He takes away that which separates us from God. And now God is not angry with us. He is forgiving of us. Now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once you have peace from God, you have the peace of God. Once you have peace with God, you have the peace of God. So peace starts here and then it works its way in your life, through your soul, through your heart, through your emotions. Some of you here today and you're like, I just want peace. I want emotional peace. I want psychological peace. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have peace with God? Until you have your sins forgiven and relationship with Jesus Christ, you do not have access to God's peace. That's why you do not live at peace. Jesus says, you know, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you this peace. The point is you can't go to Costco and get peace. You can't get a prescription and get peace. You can't just ignore it and get peace. You can't pour another drink and get peace. You can't deny it and get peace. You cannot accept it and get peace. You need to give it to Jesus. He takes it away and he replaces it with the peace of God that surpasses understanding. So he gives peace. He also gives purpose. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. What this means is that every Christian is in full-time ministry. People always say this, like, have you been called into full-time ministry? If you belong to Jesus, you have been called into full-time ministry. And what that means is wherever you go or whatever you do, it has a purpose. And that is that others would hear about the love of Jesus. That's it. This good news that sin is forgiven, that there's a God who's come for us, a God who loves us, a God who wants a relationship with us, a God who wants to put his peace in us. If you're a mom raising your kids, that's part of the purpose. If you go to work tomorrow and try and do a good job and love your coworkers and clients, that's part of the purpose. Wherever you go, you've been divinely sent by God. Wherever you go, you've been sent by God. We think of missionaries as people that we send overseas. That's true. Missionaries are also people that are sent across the street and at work across the cubicle. How can I pray for you? How can I love you? How can I serve you? Can I buy you a Bible? Would you like to come to my church? What keeps people from their purpose is their fear. Okay, Jesus tells them here, your purpose is to go out into the world and tell everybody that I love them. Are they doing that? No. In fact, they're meeting privately with a door locked, which means nobody's gonna hear this message The difference between fulfilling your purpose and not is overcoming your fear. Why do we not tell people about Jesus? Why do we not buy them a Bible? Why do we not invite them to church? We're afraid. They're gonna think I'm a Jesus freak. You are. Like everybody else has got a parade. Just wear it, okay? 
Yes, I worship a dead Jewish guy whose mom was a virgin. Yes, that's unusual. Yes, he's alive. Yes, hell is hot. Forever's a long time and you need him. There you go. I mean, that's not nearly as weird as half the stuff that people have bumper stickers for, amen? I mean, come on. I mean, hey, everybody's weird. We're just weird for Jesus. So there you go, okay? We, we're fearful of people rejecting us. We're fearful of people not liking us. You know, if I give them a Bible, they're gonna think I'm a Bible thumper. Guess what you are? You're at the Trinity Church, right? I mean, it's gonna be an hour in the book. I mean, you're a Bible thumper. Just, you know what? I love Jesus. I'm a Bible thumper. You're kindling. He can fix it. Let's have a conversation. You know, I mean, let's just, I mean, just cut out all the nonsense, get to the bottom line. But the fear is, what are they gonna think? What are they gonna say? How many of you, somebody jumped over their fears and told you about Jesus? Somebody jumped over their fears, bought you a copy of the Bible. Somebody jumped over their fears and invited you to church. And that's how you heard that there's a God who loves you and forgives you. And that's how you got saved. And that's how you joined Team Jesus. Okay. And I know why you're scared to invite them to church. I am a variable. I understand that. But you could pray for them and give them a Bible. And that's a lot lower risk. Amen. Okay, Jesus gives peace, Jesus gives purpose, and Jesus gives presence. He gives the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 2, 7, when God made our first father, Adam, he breathed the breath of life into him. Here Jesus grabs his disciples and he breathes the Holy Spirit into them. It shows that it's a new humanity. And the question is, how are you gonna experience the peace of God How are you gonna fulfill the purpose of God? You're going to need to live by the power of the presence of God. That's it. So I wrote a book called Spirit-Filled Jesus. If you're not familiar with it, grab a copy on the way out. It's my gift to you, it's free. If you're here at the church, we love you. We look at Jesus' life and we ask, how did he do it? How did he love his enemies? How did he overcome his fears? How did he fulfill the destiny of his life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he breathes the same powerful spirit of God into the children of God so that you can live by the same power that he did. See, the the Christian life is a supernatural life. It's an extraordinary life. It's Christ living his life through you, not just you living your life for him. And so everything that God asks you to do is impossible unless he gives you his power by which to do it. And what's awesome, it's amazing, this actually happens. These people's greatest fear is people are gonna know we're Christians. And then they leave the room, they never come back, and they start proclaiming the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The church explodes two thousand years later, here we are. We would have never heard about him had they not unlocked the door and left that room. But the Holy Spirit overcame their greatest fear so that they could fulfill their greatest purpose. If you are fearful, you need to bring that fear to the Lord. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to make you strong where you are weak and to give you faith where you have fear. Now, there is one little debated section here. I'll be your temporary nerd friend and we'll deal with it. If you forgive the sins of any, They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. There are three teams within Christianity, Orthodox Christians, Catholic Christians, Protestant Christians. In our common belief, we believe many things um, that we hold together. 
There's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus is fully God, fully man, born of the Virgin Mary, lived without sin, died on the cross for our sins and rose from death as our savior. So, so the common beliefs we hold in common, but between these three different traditions within Christianity, there are some secondary issues that we do disagree about. One of them is right here. Those who are Catholic will take this verse. How many of you were raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. We were the O'Driscolls from County Cork, Southern Ireland. So we're Catholic with a side of Catholic and Catholic for dessert. My name is Father Mark. I lost my white collar. We're glad to have you at our mass. The Eucharist is coming in a moment. Just hang in there. Okay, now that being said, I was raised Catholic. And what happened when I was a Catholic boy, they would take me to confessional. And it's this little box and there's this little wall. And on one side is the priest and on one side is me. And then you would, I would confess my sins. And then the priest would say, I forgive you. Not the Lord forgive you, I forgive you. And it was based upon this verse. And they would say that the representative and authority of Christ on the earth is his church, the Catholic church, that it's ruled by the Pope. And that under the Pope are priests who come with that divine authority to forgive sin. And they would say that, that the church has the authority or power to forgive sin. I'm, I'm Protestant, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that the only person that can forgive sin is God, okay? Psalm 51.5, against you only, Lord God, have I sinned. It says in Mark 2, there was an occasion, I'll read it to you, verses five through 10, there's a paralytic, there's a guy who's, been in a decimated medical condition. He said, son, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, who can forgive sins? God, who's Jesus? God. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Here's what's awesome. Jesus knows their thoughts and he calls them out. He's like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm not God. I am. And I know what you're thinking. Okay? But their point is, Jesus forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. That's true. Jesus is God. That's why he's forgiving sin. And it goes on to say, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or rise up, take your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus says, I have authority to forgive sin. So here's, here's the situation. You and I have all sinned against God, all of us. Thought, word, deed, motive, commission, do a bad thing, omission, don't do the right thing. Right, the Bible says, who can I say? Who, who could possibly say, my, my hands are pure and clean. I've never done anything wrong. Even in our culture, people who aren't Christians, they don't talk about sin, but they'll say, nobody's perfect. That's, that's the sinner's way of acknowledging their sin. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Some people say, I just can't forgive myself. Let me tell you, you got bigger problems than that. Okay, because nobody's gonna die, stand before a mirror and give an account for their life. The highest authority in your life is not you. You may sin against them, you may sin against you, but ultimately we've all sinned against him. This is truly the issue. This is the issue. 
and Jesus Christ alone forgives sins. So in context here, what has just happened? He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. He rose to conquer death and take away the penalty and the power of sin. He is now showing up in church, telling the people that they will receive the Holy Spirit and they need to go out with this message of forgiveness of sins. And so let me tell you, if you belong to Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you've given your sins to Jesus, if you have trusted in Jesus, all of your sins, past, present, and future, they are fully, totally, completely, eternally forgiven in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, both of you are excited. That's awesome. Okay, so then, but if you don't know Jesus and you don't love Jesus and you don't believe in Jesus and you don't trust Jesus, you have no forgiveness of sin. There are truly only two categories. We tend to divide over things that are very secondary. These are the divisions that will exist eternally. Those who are forgiven, those who are not forgiven. And the one who forgives, his name is? Jesus Christ. So we want you to have the forgiveness of sin. All you need to do is to take your sinful condition, to acknowledge it, to acknowledge that your rebellion, your pride, your folly, your sin, your stubborn independence living apart from God is a problem with God. And to come to God and to acknowledge that and say, God, there is a problem and I am the problem. And God, there is a solution and Jesus is the solution. So I am giving you the problem and I am receiving the solution. I will give you my sin and I will receive your son. That is the great exchange of the Christian faith. Some people will say it's just too easy. No, actually it requires tremendous humility. It takes a lot of humility to say, I am the problem, not the solution that Jesus is the solution for my problem. I can do nothing to fix my problem. I need to trust the only one who can solve my problem by forgiving my sin. You do that in your heart today. You do that in your mind today. This is where you give your sin to Jesus and you give yourself to Jesus. And then like Mary Magdalene, you follow him for the rest of your life. You stick close to him, you learn about him, you trust in him, you, you nurture that relationship. That's what it means to be a Christian. I have good news for you. Jesus will forgive anyone who asks him. You know, when we're in a relationship with someone, sometimes it's hard to make a big request because we're not sure what their answer will be. With Jesus, we already know what the answer will be. Jesus, I need to be forgiven. Will you forgive me? The answer is... Yes. See, Jesus makes it so clear, which makes it for us so simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Sin, forgiveness through Jesus, okay? And if you've never done that, this is the day that Jesus wants to meet with you. And whatever fear is keeping you from Jesus, you need to give that fear to Jesus. He'll replace it with the Holy Spirit and give you a joy and a power to live a new life as he did these fearful people. He then meets with someone who has doubts. Some of you have hurts. Some of you have fears. Some of you have doubts. Whatever is keeping you from Christ, Christ can remove those barriers and reconcile that relationship. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, 
was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas didn't make it to church. Oh, this is a preacher's life verse right here. You gotta make it to church. He didn't make it to church. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Jesus goes to church. Why were you not in church? But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. That's a big statement. They're like, Thomas, you should have come to church. You know, the Cardinals aren't that great. You, you know, you, you could have TiVo'd it. You know, you should have been there. Pray for the Cardinals too. I mean, you know, so Thomas, you didn't make, Jesus made it to church. No, he didn't. What he's saying is, you're lying. That's a big statement. You 10 disciples are lying. I will never believe it until I get my own evidence. How many of you are doubters, skeptics, right? How many of you, you're like, ah, you, ah no, you got to prove it. Some of you are like, if I can't see it through a telescope or a microscope, I'm suspicious. I got to get my own information. How many of you are raising that kid? You tell them something, they're like, prove it. Really? They're that kid. Thomas is that child of God. I need the facts. I need to, you need to show me the math. I, I got to get the details. You got to prove this to me. Eight days later, I love how Jesus takes his time. He's going to let Thomas marinate on this for a while. After day six or seven, Thomas is probably feeling pretty good. Jesus hasn't showed up. Hadn't proven it to me. His disciples were inside again. They come back to church. Thomas finally makes it to church. He was with them. Although the doors were locked. We don't know how this happened. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is an awkward moment for Thomas, right? Right? I will never believe until he shows up. Right? The disciples are probably like, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Okay? He said to Thomas in front of everybody, all right, let's do this. Put your finger here. See my hands? Put out your hand. Stick it in my side where they shove the spear, do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas, we don't know if Thomas touched him or not. I don't know. Thomas answered him, here's the right answer. My Lord, my God. Right? You might've been born into a believing family, but it's not our Lord and our God. Everybody needs to be able to say, my Lord, my God. It's personal choice. My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Well, yeah. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you have made a ridiculous demand of God and he actually met it? See, Thomas makes a ridiculous demand. Jesus, show up and show me the scars. He does. Jesus is not obligated to. Jesus doesn't have to. But sometimes Jesus is so gracious, so kind, so loving. Even if we make a ridiculous request, he still shows up and fulfills it. And then we feel really bad because we realize that we were being very unreasonable as Thomas was. So let's talk a little bit about Thomas. Firstly, I want you to see that people process their pain and grief differently. 
Mary, she's trying to get as close to Jesus as she can, even if his body's dead. The disciples, they meet together and have church in a group to process and grieve. Thomas, he's, he's isolated, he's independent. He's not with the group, he's not with Mary. Here's the big idea. In grieving, in struggles, in pain, in crisis, different people process differently. Here's what's awesome. Which one does Jesus show up to? All of them and meets them exactly where they're at. You know what? I'll just meet Mary here at the tomb. I'll show up at church and I'll have a sidebar with Thomas. That's awesome. Sometimes when people are struggling or they're grieving or they're processing, we can look at them and say, ah, you know, you're not responding well. If they're being self-destructive, of course, but let people have their process and trust that Jesus will meet them wherever they are at because that's how he does it. How many of you, Jesus has done that for you? Right, the anvil fell out of the sky on your life. You were in that season of deep, deep difficulty. And Jesus met you where you were. And whether it was a hurt that he healed or a fear that he fixed or, or a doubt that he destroyed, he took care of what was separating you from him so that you and he could have a healthy, loving, close relationship. That's amazing. Uh, in addition, we see from Thomas that he stands in the place of doubters, right? Some of you, you would be like Thomas. You would be the skeptic. You would be a little more jaded. You're gonna be a little more analytical. You're gonna be a little more critical. And what I would say is this, when it comes to Jesus in anything historical, you gotta trust somebody, right? I mean, we go to school, we read books about histories and wars and presidents and places. We say, well, I wasn't there, so I need to trust someone. My question is, who do you trust regarding Jesus? You've gotta trust somebody, right? Thomas is a doubter, he's a disbeliever, he's a skeptic, he's got questions, he's got objections, he goes in your place. And what I love is he gets the resolution that he needs. Jesus is alive. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus is God. Jesus is now my Lord, my God. Right? I want you to trust in Jesus as he did. And what he says is, you know, Thomas, you've seen, blessed are those who have seen, excuse me, who have not seen and yet believed. Who's that? That's us. We weren't there. They were. They got to see him. We haven't. Here's the good news. There is a blessing that rests on you if you believe in Jesus. There's a particular blessing bestowed on you. And what, what, what faith is, faith is trusting until we're seeing. Let me tell you this. There's gonna be a day you're gonna see Jesus. He's gonna return he is going to call your name. You're gonna come forth out of your grave. You're gonna get a glorified, resurrected body. The Bible promises that you will see him face to face, that you will know him as you are fully known by him. That day is promised. That day is assured. That's, that, that future is certain. You're gonna see it. Until you see it, you trust that you will see it. That's faith. And, and, and you're blessed. And how many of you are blessed because you know Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you belong to Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, your, your sin is taken away by Jesus and you haven't even seen him yet. Imagine how awesome it's gonna be when you do see him. That's gonna be the best day of all time. Last two sections, maybe. Okay, first one, do you believe in Jesus? 
Here's where it ends. Now, Jesus did many other signs. He did all kinds of stuff, right? The Bible only records some. It doesn't record all. In the presence of the disciples, there were eyewitnesses, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe, that you may believe, my friend, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed chosen, that he is the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is life that doesn't just begin the day you die, it begins the day you meet Jesus. It's not just a duration of life, it's a quality of life. Many people are alive, but they're not experiencing life. Jesus says, I come to give you life and give it abundantly and give it fully. And life with Jesus is the best life. Life with Jesus is the only life. There is, there is no one that has given their life to Jesus and regretted it. There's no one who's given their life to Jesus and felt that it was not worth that relationship, amen? Those who are here and believers in Jesus, I want those of you who are not yet believers in Jesus to hear the testimony of God's people. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is loving. Jesus defeats doubts. Jesus, uh, he, he fixes fears. Jesus forgives sins. Jesus lifts burdens. Jesus does miracles. Jesus is coming again and you can be with him forever. That's amazing. So my question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Some of you are like, what are you trying to do, convert me? Of course, that, that's the whole reason. John writes a whole book of the Bible and he's like, just if you missed it, we wrote this whole book so you would believe in Jesus. This is not a condo timeshare pitch, you know, with a secret signature to pressure you at the end. We're just telling you, man, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody always needs Jesus. Everybody only needs Jesus. You need Jesus, amen? And the question is, do you believe in Jesus? You're like trying to get me saved? Yep, that's why we bought a building. That's why we're here. That's why I'm gonna yell at you for an hour. Like, you need Jesus, okay? Am I clear? Yeah, we like Jesus here. If you haven't picked that up. We like Jesus. We, we actually like him. We believe in him. We love him. We also like him because he's awesome. Okay, we want you to believe in him because if somebody loves us, we want you to meet them. If somebody helps us, we want them to help you. If someone changes our life, we want them to change your life because he loves you and we love you too, amen? So if you're not here, you become a Christian today. How do you do that? Again, I'm the problem, Jesus, you're the solution. Forgive me, let's start this relationship, okay? Last one, chapter 21, we looked at most of it earlier as we were jumping ahead. This is the last line, I'll finish it up. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Amen? We, I mean, we're gonna get to heaven and we're gonna get reports of stuff that we didn't even get in the Bible. That's gonna be amazing. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's a big statement. But that's because we serve a big Jesus. When I first was a brand new Christian, I, I love Grace with all my heart. She bought me my first Bible and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna start writing down all the things that God is teaching me and doing. And eventually I realized I would never stop writing this book. It was a journal. As I recounted and recalled all the things Jesus was teaching me and all the things he was doing for me, I realized, you know what? 
I could fill up planet earth with books just about what he's taught me and done for me. Just look around the room. I mean, how many volumes would need to be written? All the sin forgiven, all the people helped, all the love shared, all the truth revealed, all the demons cast away, all the presence of God enjoyed. That's amazing. Here's the point. There's always something new to learn about Jesus. How many of you are older saints and you're still learning? How many of you, you've been studying God's word and living in God's presence and been one of God's people for a really long time. You're like, I'm still learning. I'll tell you this, I have loved preaching John's gospel. Thank you for being teachable people. Thank you for hanging in there for an hour-ish every week. Um, And what I find is, you know what? I've studied John's gospel. I've read John's gospel many times. And you know what? Every time I learn something new, it's because the word of God is living and active, that Jesus is alive and well. And, And if you love somebody, you think you know them. And the more you get to know them, you realize there's so much more to know. This relationship with Jesus, you're like, I know him, but I'm still learning about him and getting to know him. And there's things I didn't know. And it's just fascinating and it's wonderful and it's exciting. And and my whole goal is I want you to have an appetite, a thirst for the word of God. I want you to love it and enjoy it. And I want you to meet Jesus and love Jesus and have your demons cast away and have your burdens lifted and have your doubts dissolved and have your fears fixed and have your sins forgiven and have your relationships restored and have your eternal life on your horizon and to get up every morning and say, I'm gonna learn something new about Jesus today. That's the Christian life. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna respond. Lord Jesus, thanks for 44 weeks, awesome weeks. Jesus, thank you that There's always something new to learn. It's amazing. Lord Jesus, your resurrection is the prototype precedent and promise of our resurrection. Lord Jesus, thank you that after you rose, you went and met people where they were. I ask that you would do that right now. That you showed up in church. You're always welcome here, Lord Jesus. Let us keep the door unlocked. Um, Lord Jesus, I could just see the day when these dear people get out of their graves, when their faith is sight, when they get a hug from Jesus. Lord Jesus, I so look forward to the the older saints in wheelchairs and walkers doing backflips and playing wiffle ball with their grandkids in the kingdom. That's going to be awesome. Lord God, I thank you that there are gonna be some, some children that were lost in the womb, but they're not lost forever. Lord Jesus, we have big faith. We trust you. We trust you for a great, grand, glorious, eternal homecoming for all of your children. We look forward to that day, Lord Jesus, when our faith becomes sight, when we see you face to face, when all our questions are answered and all our hopes are realized and all our relationships are reconciled and our joy is made complete. Lord Jesus, you are wonderful. You are good. You are God. We always welcome you into this place. And I thank you for the appointments that you have scheduled with dear people to meet them exactly where they are, 
to overcome what is separating them from you so that they might experience your goodness. And we invite you to do that now and always in your good name. Amen. If you live in or are visiting the greater Phoenix Valley, please join us at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can also watch Pastor Mark live on Sundays, YouTube, Facebook, the app, or at markdriscoll.org. And as Pastor Mark always says, it's all about Jesus.